Hello and welcome to the Build with Clay podcast. I am your host, Clay Davis. This podcast is designed to introduce you to people from across the world who have one thing in common. They want to grow in their life and inspire others. You'll get a front row seat to hear about how they define their mindset and their purpose. We'll unearth their habits, their failures, and learnings throughout their journey. And this will allow you to take those habits, those failures, and those learnings and apply them to your personal growth journey, no matter where you're trying to build yourself and grow. This podcast is designed for you, so thank you for being here. Prepare to meet interesting people, hear fun stories, learn something new, and plan to leave inspired. In this episode, I chat with Whitney Davis, my wife of almost nine years. Whitney and I met at UNC in the business school, actually on a trip to China, but that's a story for another day. After graduating with honors, Whitney decided the corporate world wasn't for her and went back to school to get her teaching license. She spent the next few years teaching elementary age students and currently stays home with our two sons, Hayes and Walker. I'm a bit biased, but I think she's a heck of a mom to our two sons, and she's also been on her own growth mindset journey as a person and a parent, which I think listeners will find interesting. In this episode, Whitney highlights her struggles as a mom, shares advice that she's found the most helpful, and how we try and instill a growth mindset in our kids. We both admit that we are far from perfect parents, and we certainly are not experts. It's our hope that you can find some joy and inspiration from the conversation. And if you pick up some advice along the way that seems useful, all the better. Enjoy. Super excited to have Whitney Davis, my wife, on the Build With Clay podcast. For those that don't know Whitney, this is a huge deal to get her on the podcast. <laughs> it took a lot of convincing. I had to pour in a lot of favors to get this one. So Whitney, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being here. Sure. I'm happy-ish to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for those that don't know you, I'm going to ask a couple get to know you questions. So we're going to start easy. Would you rather receive cake or candy as a gift from someone? Ooh, man, I do like both of those things, but I'm probably more picky about candy. So I'm just going to go with cake. What kind of cake would you want? I think I would go with chocolate. Just pure chocolate cake with chocolate icing? No, probably vanilla icing. Okay. Well, hey, for the people that are out there, I want them to make sure they bring you a cake that you actually want. Okay, perfect. (laughs) All right. Would you rather sleep in the woods or sleep on the beach? Oh, on the beach for sure. There's too many creepy crawly things in the woods. At least on the beach, you know, like you're not surrounded by grass or trees or I don't know. It's easier to see things coming. Would you rather never pay for books or never pay for movies? Oh, never pay for books, for sure. I mean, the library is great. I don't actually really pay for books that often, but if I could have unlimited access to new books and didn't have to pay for them, that would be great. Perfect. It'd be perfect for your book club that is actually a wine club. (laughs) Well, maybe I'd read more books if I didn't have to pay for them. (laughs) All right. Last one, because this podcast is going to be a lot about parenting and you are the mom to two children and one more on the way. Would you rather have a natural childbirth or a tooth extraction with no (laughs) painkillers? Wow. I think natural childbirth. I mean, women have done that for a very long time. So if they could all do it, even though I have not had to do it yet, I think I could do it too. That's impressive. And I've seen it in action twice. And uh, to all the moms out there, um, duly impressed on this side of, of the table here. All right. So for those that don't know me, I am not a drinker. I don't drink alcohol. Our son thinks or at least early in his life, thought otherwise. So Whitney, you were here for this interaction. I would love for you to tell this story. Oh, yeah. Um, When I took Hayes in for his three-year-old well checkup, just like your annual checkup, um, that's about the age the doctor starts asking the kid questions to get probably more honest answers. I don't know. Um, Anyway, they just ask him basic things about their lives, like... Um, what do you 
like to eat? What are your favorite vegetables? Do you ride in a car seat? Stuff like that. And she asked Hayes, what do you drink at home? And he said, water. And she kind of asked, you know, anything else? Milk, juice? And he was like, no. And he just paused for a second. And then very loudly, he says, but my daddy drinks beer. And I just could not contain myself. I just burst out laughing because, first of all, what a ridiculous thing for a three-year-old to say. And who knows what the doctor was thinking at that moment. But also, like you said, you don't drink at all. So it didn't even make any sense. He's probably never even seen you hold a beer. So anyway, it was just hilarious. And I couldn't do anything. I mean, I figured if I told the doctor that wasn't true, she'd be like, um, okay, sure. Well, where'd he get it from? But I have no idea where it came from. So Kids will just say crazy things. <laughs> yes, they will. And our kid is not excluded from that. And <laughs> just to kind of level set on, for those that don't know our family, myself and Whitney are moms and dads to our uh, five-year-old son, Hayes, and our three-year-old son, Walker. And we've got one more on the way. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of references to them. So wanted to make sure that that was laid out there. All right. Well, we're going to get into couple other things, mainly around parenting. and uh, But before, I got to do the same thing I do to you that I do to other guests, which is I want you to define a growth mindset. And then I would like you to define your purpose or your why. So let's start with the growth mindset. How would you, Whitney, define a growth mindset? Well, this was not something I was super aware of until you brought a growth mindset to my attention. I don't know, not too long ago, maybe a couple years ago. And I read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, which was very enlightening. And I learned that I did not have a growth mindset in a lot of areas of my life. And so for me, thinking about a growth mindset or what really stuck with me, I guess I should say, are the things that I struggle with, which would be fearing failure and being resistant to change. So when I think about a growth mindset, I think about not being afraid to fail because you should just see failure as a learning opportunity. And then I think about embracing change because I have to remind myself, but change is the only constant, right? It's always going to happen. So those two things are the things I keep in mind when I think about a growth mindset. And how about your why? How would you define your purpose or your why in life? Yeah, this is a tough question. I, I think, or I'd like to think that your purpose in life can change over time, just depending on the circumstances surrounding you and how you grow as a person. But for me right now, I would say it's just to be the best mom that I can be every day because these two and one on the way children that we have are the greatest responsibility that I have. And I'm just doing everything I can to make them to be the best versions of themselves as well. I think that's a wonderful why. I'm a little biased, but I think that's a great why. Let's get into some serious parenting questions. Which kid do you like best? <laughs> Definitely the one that's still in my belly. He's very low maintenance. <laughs> All right. On an actual serious note, how would you describe your parenting style? My number one thing is I never want my kids to wonder whether they are loved. So just making sure that they know every single day that they are loved. But at the same time, as I mentioned before, like it's our responsibility to make sure that they grow up to be independent, functioning, hopefully happy adults one day. So I would say that we're pretty tough when it comes to our expectations about um, their manners, when we're around other people, their behavior, being kind. So I guess if I had to label my parenting style, maybe I would say tough love. Yeah, I think there's a lot of versions of tough love, but you're probably right. If you had to label it, I would agree. It's probably tough love. And I know I, I do that too. You're talking about manners. And we talk about please and thank you. You and I have laxed on that in the recent past. And we kind of had that conversation like, hey, we need to really, because they, were, you know, they weren't saying please, they weren't saying thank you to us or to others. And it's a little thing, but I think those manners go a long way. It's how I was raised. I know it's how you were raised. And so we'll do something even as small as if I hand something, a snack to Walker and he just grabs it and starts walking away, I will grab it out of his hand. And he knows that he's like, oh shoot, I didn't say thank you. 
And it's little things like that. It's amazing if if you like concentrate on it. I, f- I find that if we concentrate on it, what for two or three days on mm-hmm. stuff like that, that it's it becomes ingrained in them again. Right. It's just the consistency. Yeah. When I say tough, I just mean like we have high expectations. I think of our kids, but you know, we just try to be consistent with reinforcing them. Yeah, and you also mentioned independence and. I think that concept is really interesting. It'll probably be a theme through this conversation, but if it's if it doesn't become a theme, I want to bookmark it because I think that's something that I, I think I try to pride myself on. I know you do too, to make sure that our kids are independent. All right. What brings you the most joy as a parent? Just being able to watch your kids go from these like helpless little infants that they come into the world as into whatever version of themselves they're going to be just watching them develop a personality and their own mannerisms and quirks and just interact with them as people instead of like babies or little kids. It's just, it's just fun to watch who they become. All right. We're not going to talk about them growing up that much because I don't want you to break down crying. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Good idea. So we're going to steer clear of that. All right. So how about on the, mistakes front talked about that you feared failure in the past and how you're trying to embrace failure and embrace this this challenge so what mistakes have you and you can include myself in this have we made as parents well there was that one time that i went to get Hayes out of his crib in the morning and he was still wearing his shoes when you had put him to bed the night before <laughs> is that a mistake <laughs> <laughs> i take full um... responsibility <laughs> He was cold. His feet were cold. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm sure we have made just way too many mistakes to name, but I would say one of the hardest things about parenting is that you're constantly making decisions. And I'm also not the world's swiftest decision maker. So that is tough because you make decisions all day, every day. You're talking about like the smallest things. I mean, what what are they going to eat? What are they going to wear? What are they going to do? What are their responsibilities? Just all day long. And you have to trust your gut because no one's telling you whether you're doing it right or wrong. And there's even a good chance that you don't know if you're doing it right or wrong until they grow up and you see like who they became. And then you can see all the ways you probably messed them up with all those decisions. But you just have to do the best you can. And I mean, I think that is probably the most difficult part for me is just not knowing on a regular basis if the way I'm doing things is the best way. You just really have to learn to trust yourself. But if we want to talk specifically like about a mistake, I think the one that comes to mind most recently is I lost my patience with Hayes and I raised my voice with him. And I don't that for me that's a mistake. I I don't like raising my voice, but later on after we had both calmed down, I don't even remember what it was about to be honest, but I definitely was too loud and aggressive with whatever I was telling him. And after we had both calmed down, I went to him and I apologized. And I explained that I was frustrated and I didn't react well and I would try to do better next time. And I think like there was definitely a mistake, but I also think it's okay for your kids to know that you are human and you're not perfect. And if you make a mistake, it's important to own up to it and to apologize if that's what's needed to make it better. So that's the one I can think of off the top of my head. Having patience with little kids that are running around basically 24 seven. It's, um, <laughs> it's amazing. The patience you do have, I know you, it, you give yourself a hard time a lot about your own patience, but, uh, I think almost any adult in their thirties surrounded by a five and a three-year-old most of the day is going to lose their patience at some point, but you're right. Setting that example about, that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. It's okay to just not do the right thing every time, as long as you take responsibility and you're open about it and just trying to set that example. And I think that that's a great example that you just provided as to how you can set that example as a parent, even for kids as young as you're not even in kindergarten yet. And hopefully leading by that example can have an impact down the road. But like you said, 
we won't know until they're much older and they're doing something silly. And we're like, yep, it's because we tried to do this. We thought we were the smartest parents alive. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we look back on it like, oh, yep, I can totally see how that we connect those dots. And this is why he's doing this now. Yep. Well, hopefully we'll be able to laugh at those moments together. Oh, I hope so. What is your favorite part about being a mom? This kind of goes back to the constant decision-making part and not knowing how you're doing at the moment. But I think one of the best feelings as a mom is when completely unprompted, one of our boys comes up and gives me a hug or grabs my hand when we're walking somewhere or snuggles up with me on the couch. It's just, there isn't a whole lot that's sweeter than that. And it kind of just reinforces that maybe you are doing okay and everything's going to be all right. So that's probably one of my favorite parts of being a mom. Well, it also speaks to your love language. (laughs) True. (laughs) Physical touch for sure. And that is something that our three-year-old is extremely good at. Mm -hmm. Um, I even saw it. I even saw it this evening. He just went up and just gave you a big old hug before going to bed tonight. And I know that brings you a ton of joy. And especially when it's unprompted, like you said, that's, that's a really cool thing. Yes, it is. There's a lot of parenting advice out there. And we solicited a lot of advice from books, from Google, from other parents in our lives, our own parents. So what tips or advice would you give to someone who's going to become a mom for the first time? Like what what stuff comes to mind that was extremely helpful that still sticks with you this to this day? Uh, oh, gosh. Okay. Well, first... I am 100% not an expert at all. I mean, even things that work for one of our children doesn't work for the other one or vice versa because every kid is different. But I will say one thing that really has stuck with me and I try to keep in mind, even though it's a little bit cliche, is that everything is a phase with babies especially, but kids too. So even when you're in the midst of something that seems so tough. It seems like it's never going to end. Sleepless nights or tantrums, picky eating, or potty training, or whatever it might be, because there are a lot of trials. But when you're in the middle of it and it feels like it's going on forever, it's important to remind yourself that it's a phase. Like, they're not going to do whatever this is forever. And chances are, at least for us, when you get past it and you look back on it, it doesn't even seem like it was that bad or it lasted that long or else we wouldn't be on our way to having a third child here. (laughs) But unfortunately, the phase thing is the same for good things too. So it kind of just reminds you to stay in the moment. You know, all your favorite things like the cuddles and the snuggles, they're not going to last forever either. So I I just try to remind myself that time is precious and everything is a phase, good or bad. Other than that, let me think what else. I think it's important to as a new mom, especially, I can't speak to being a dad, but finding a community of moms that you can talk to, you can rely on, you can get advice from, because that is so much better than Googling every little question that you'll have, because you'll have a lot of questions and you can get in some scary rabbit holes on Google. So having, even if it's just like one or two other moms, but just somebody you feel like you can talk to, you can be honest with, um, that's really helpful. And then I think the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask for help. Like there's, I don't know, social media and the world that we live in makes it seem like being a mom should just be like so easy, so happy all the time. And it is a lot of that, but it's also really hard, especially the first time around when you feel like you don't know what you're doing. It's okay to ask for help. Like it's really important. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you braver and stronger to admit that you're not perfect and you you could use some help from other people. So I think those would be those would be the pieces of advice I would give to a new mom. All right, decent amount to unpack there. Um as you said, you recognize you're not an expert, obviously <laughs> neither am I. But I think great advice all around and I really like the finding a community of moms. I mean, I was joking earlier about your book club, but I feel like that's what that is. It's it's moms mostly and uh, drinking wine and just having that community. So you can laugh about the silly things and you know ask questions about, hey, is your kid doing this? Or was your pregnancy like this? And 
I think just that community is awesome. And I, you come back from those book club, wine club, mom club, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> just, I think just a little bit lighter on your feet because you do have that community. Yeah. It's great to know that you are just not alone, no matter what it is that is happening in your mom life. Just other people are right there with you. The other thing I want to touch on is the being present. So you, you mentioned how everything's a phase and the good stuff's a phase too, and how being present during the good stuff, especially, I mean, try to be present as much as possible, but the good stuff, because you don't know when that's going to be a phase too. Mm -hmm. And I've always been amazed at how present a child can be. That is something that is absolutely incredible. They are not thinking about a book that they want to read. They're not thinking about a bill that they need to pay. They're not thinking about a person they have to call or an email they have to send. They're solely thinking about the person that is around them and their immediate surroundings, a toy or whatever they're doing. They are so locked in and it is unbelievable. It is a skill I wish that I could turn on and off, but they have it on all the time. I don't know when that stops with kids, but it is it's mesmerizing because I I go out and we'll spend a little bit of time with our kids during a work day. And of course I have a hundred things on my mind and Walker or Hayes are just so locked in and I'm amazed. And it like, it makes me feel terrible because I know I'm not right. I'm locked in for like 15 seconds and then my brain's off thinking about something else. And then I get locked in again and then it goes off something else. And the whole time they're just so present and it's just, it's amazing. And it, uh, I'm extremely envious. Oh yeah. I, I will say, I mean, I'm right there with you. My mental to-do list is always going. And so yes, staying present is difficult, but someone else or a few other people that are also, I've noticed very good at being present are grandparents. And we have excellent grandparents. We are so lucky. But when I see my mom or dad or your mom playing with our boys, they're so good at like just staying right there with them. So maybe you get worse at it for a little while when you're in the phase of life that we're in and then hopefully better at it again. But it's definitely (laughs) something that um, I try to keep in mind too, because it is really important. All right. So we talked about a growth mindset and you talked about specifically about having a fear of failure and being a little bit resistant to change and how a growth mindset, you got to basically do the opposite. You got to embrace failure and embrace change. So how did your mindset shift? So you ha- we had Hayes first, and then a couple of years later, we had Walker. How has your mindset shifted about parenting? I think that first answer and probably the easy answer for a lot of moms is you become more relaxed. I mean, you kind of have to. When you have one child, they get all your focus and attention. And then when the second one comes along, well, you have to split it. And that's probably a good thing. When we had just Hayes and he was starting solids, we did baby led weaning, which is like a, if you don't know what that is, it just kind of means you let your baby, talking about like a seven month old, explore solid foods that are soft, like, you know, banana, avocado, and pick them up and put them in their mouth as opposed to spoon feeding them purees. And we were, or I was very intentional with this. I mean, I would look at lists of like, which food do I introduce next? Is this food safe all the time? And then Walker came along and I was like, uh, oh yeah, it's time for you to eat solids here. This is soft. And I just throw it on his high chair they both seem to have turned out so far, so far they're okay. But, um, you know, things like that just kind of have to change. And I think it's probably good. I don't know. I can't say I notice a big difference between Hayes and Walker as far as maybe how that has affected them. But I feel like I've become more relaxed. Also, I would, as we've discussed, I wasn't even really aware of what a growth mindset was when Hayes was born and maybe not when Walker was born, but certainly like since he's become more of a kid that you interact with. And so I feel like that's probably made a difference. I think you and I have both noticed that Hayes, he needs a little more prompting to work on his growth mindset. I don't know. He gets maybe, I'm trying to think of the right word. I guess yeah, be frustrated. careful. He's going to listen to this in like I know. 20 years. <laughs> I know, really. Um, I just think that probably maybe both of us have done a better job trying to instill a growth mindset in Walker than we 
did with haze, not intentionally. I just don't think it was something we were necessarily aware of. So that's probably different. But overall, like the parenting style we referred to at the beginning, I don't really feel like it's changed that much. But I don't know. What do you think? You've been there for it. Yeah, I agree. I think that the relaxed atmosphere and just relaxed about when they're napping, what kind of food they're consuming, the growth mindset is another big thing. I think that it is much more top of mind for us now. And so that leads into, you know, how do you instill a growth mindset in your children? Well, I think this is something that we are constantly working on and definitely something that I have thought way more about since reading mindset. There's a whole chapter in that book on parenting with a growth mindset. And there's definitely some things that I've taken away from that book and tried to implement at home. The first would be we really encourage our kids to try things, even things that we probably already know they can't do yet. For example, Walker and Hayes are both still in car seats. Hayes can get himself in and out of his car seat, but it's a relatively new thing he's been able to do. I think they are probably intentionally made so that kids can't get themselves out of them. But at some point, you know, you're able to. Walker being three is not strong enough to push the button to get out of the car seat, but he wants to be like his brother and he will try. And I encourage him every time he wants to, yeah, try, see if you can do it. Because one day he's going to be able to do it. And how great is it going to be to be like, look, you've tried and tried and tried, and now you can do it. That's kind of the epitome of a growth mindset is that we kind of joke in our house sometimes, I can't do this yet because it's not, I can't do this. It's just, you can't do it yet. And for something like that, even though it seems so small and I know he can't push that button by himself yet, just encouraging him to try and telling him that it's okay that he can't do it yet. And it's great that he's trying. And then one day when he suddenly is able to, it's going to be great to celebrate it and, and show that all his perseverance and practice paid off. Um, so I think trying things, that's a really big thing that we focus on. And then the other thing that I really did not think about at all until I read this book was how you praise children. And so we've both really tried to be intentional with our praise because it doesn't come naturally to do it in a growth mindset type of way, the way that is talked about in this book. So for example, when Hayes or Walker, say they come and show me something that they've finished, my first reactions are usually something like, wow, that's great. That's so awesome. You're so good at that. Or you're so smart. But all those things are just teaching our kids that that's what we want. We want it to be good. We want it to be perfect. We want them to be smart. We want it to be easy. That is not instilling a growth mindset. That's just focusing on the outcome. And so we've tried to shift how we praise our children when they do something or when they try something to not be about the result, but about the process. So we try to say things like, wow, I can tell you really concentrated on that. Or I can tell that you've been practicing that and just other things like that so that you're focusing more on how they are behaving, not the result that they got to, but so that they understand as long as I, you know, if I'm trying hard, if I'm doing my best, that's what's important. Not if I do it perfectly or not if it's easy for me. It's okay for things to be hard. It's okay for you not to be able to do them. So just focusing on our praise of how they do things as opposed to, you know, the end result. That's another really big part of instilling a growth mindset, I think. And then I think the last thing would be being models for them of trying new things. And I admittedly am not great at this, but Clay, you are very good at this. You are always trying new things and just branching out in different directions, which I think is just is such a great behavior for them to see. And so it's something I'm working on, but something that I think that you already do a good job of modeling, but just important for children to see their parents stretching and trying new things, even if they don't come easy to them, or even if they don't succeed at first or ever, and that's okay. So I think that's what, that's kind of how we are trying to hopefully instill growth mindsets in our kids. 
what's an example of something that you've tried that you may not have tried if we didn't have kids <laughs> and you were trying to be an example? Right now, we're just so, or I'm so in the thick of parenting, and that is my number one priority at this time that I'm not necessarily stretching myself in other ways, but I hope to one day maybe, you know, train for a race or take up a activity painting or something like that, that I've never done before that I probably won't be good at when I start and that's okay. But I will, you know, hopefully show them that you can keep trying new things and it's okay if you're not good at them at first. Hey, you're trying on a podcast episode. This is true. <laughs> but I think Hayes set the model example for you on that one. Uh, that's, I mean, he set a really high standard though. I feel like I should have been on the podcast before Hayes because right, that's those are big footsteps to follow. Yes, he, he was pretty incredible. <laughs> First take, pretty incredible. That actually leads us into a, a topic I want to ask about. So you mentioned how you're so focused on parenting. I mean, it's your stated why and purpose in this phase of your life, which is incredibly lucky for me as their dad, that they have a mom that's, that can be so present and fill their days with that why. And that's so wonderful. But how do you go about balancing your needs versus our kids' needs? That's probably something else I'm working on, but I... I do think it is important to focus sometimes on my own needs because to be the best mom I can be, I need to be a pretty good version of myself, you know, well-rested and happy um, and fed and all of those things. So even though it is easier in a lot of ways to just focus on my role as a mom and be like, this is what I need to get done and, you know, knock those things off my to-do list. I have found that if I do some things for myself occasionally, it makes me a better mom. So just like seeing the results that occasionally putting time in just for yourself, even if it feels selfish in the moment, is important to be the best version of a mom that I can be. Um, One example I would give is that After Hayes was born, before he started going to preschool or anything like that, it was just me and him all the time at home. And that was very mentally taxing. I'm a pretty active person. I always have been. And so I joined, or we joined the gym, the YMCA, and they have childcare there. And I would drop Hayes off at childcare and then go work out. And it was really hard. I felt like I was being selfish at the beginning for a couple of reasons. One, because why wouldn't I be watching my child? That's my job. But also because Hayes didn't like childcare at first. So I felt so bad sending him to childcare and he wouldn't want to go there and he would be crying when I left just so I could go work out. But afterwards, I felt a lot better. I mean, I felt, you know, I had gotten some exercise, had those endorphins, and it made me a better version of myself. And Hayes also got used to childcare and it was great. And he, you know, he was around people he wouldn't normally see at our house. He could interact with other kids and other adults. So it was in the end, I think, beneficial for both of us, but it was hard for me to do that in the beginning because it did feel selfish at the time. But prioritizing the things that make me or anyone feel better as a person is going to help them be a better mom as well. I would agree. And I remember those days of dropping Hayes off and him screaming his head off and you saying, Oh, I can just stay back. It's fine. I don't need to work out (laughs) and go back to your, you know, what you said a couple of minutes ago is everything's a phase and Mm -hmm. the phase of crying as you get dropped off at a babysitter at school, at a gym, it's all a phase mm-hmm. and they get used to it. And like you said, it, it becomes mutually beneficial and they get exposed to people that they would not normally get exposed to, which is wonderful and yeah. um, broadens who they are and you know gets diversity of thought and diversity of people and just you know lets them learn how to interact socially with anyone. 
Yeah, now Hayes walks into school like he owns the place and wonders why he doesn't go to school on the weekends. I mean, he he's definitely become such an independent kid now, and it's just so cool to see. I wanted to bookmark independence because I think that that's a big theme of probably both of our parenting styles, whether right or wrong. How would you define independence? Well, um, Walker's calling for me. Can I pause for a second to go? Nope. See nope. Just suck it up. <laughs> Be independent in bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll be right back. We couldn't have a parenting podcast without a kid interrupting. <laughs> and also I happened to look at my phone and our friend ML texted me. She had listened to the podcast with Hayes and she's reading Dare to Lead, which is a book by Brene Brown. And I want to read this quote that she just sent me, literally, as we're doing this podcast. Quote, and when we think about how millennials and Gen Zers were raised, many of their parents swaddled them in armor out of their own lack of confidence as parents and people. The more grounded confidence parents have, the more likely they are to prepare their child for the path by teaching courage, praising effort, and modeling grit versus trying to prepare a perfect path for their child by fixing, praising only results, and intervening. Wow. What are the chances that that would be sent to you as we are recording this? That's pretty crazy. Isn't that incredible? So yeah. shout out to ML for sending that. And I just happened to look at my phone as Walker had interrupted our podcast there. So yeah, I mean, I obviously could not agree more. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Pretty wild. All right. So we were going to get into the topic of independence because I think that that is a topic that you and I both share as a quality that we want in our children. So what is your definition of independence as it relates to a young child? Well, of course, it's going to change over time depending on how old they are. Um, But I think for our kids right now, I would say independence looks like being able to try things that they want to try. And without us saying, no, that's not safe. You can't do that. And then also letting them speak for themselves. I think both of our kids are very outgoing, which they do not get from me. They definitely get from you. But they're used to speaking in any situation. They're so comfortable talking to adults and other kids and also strangers, which is a little worrisome. But we let them have that freedom to be in those kinds of conversations or to go up to people and talk to them. And I think that's really important for their confidence and their independence. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really important for their independence. And I think one way that we've tried to initiate this and give them that confidence that they can go talk to anyone is that ever since I can remember, we have talked to them like they are adults. We have never really babied them And we've just talked to them like we would talk to our friends or our family. And I think that that has helped them probably be comfortable having those conversations with adults because they're used to conversing in an adult way. There's also independence of being able to just do tasks for yourself around the house, which is more helpful for me probably than what they want to be doing. But I do think it's important for them to be able to get themselves dressed or put on their shoes or Hayes is even getting to the point where he can get himself a snack and they pack up their lunch boxes into their school bags in the morning and unpack them when they get home. And just little things like that, just to build their confidence and their independence around the house. And then as they get older, I'm sure that will shift in some way. But for now, I would say that's how I think of independence for them. I think about it very similarly. I think I at the beginning, wanted them to have as much independence as possible, right? I didn't want them to be dependent on me or on you. I don't know where that desire comes from, but I think it's manifested in a pretty good way. I'm sure we're going to look back and be like, we probably shouldn't have allowed that much independence because now they're doing X (laughs) or Y or Z. And we're definitely going to be able to tie it back. But it is fun to see them and and they get a lot of joy out of being able to get in and out of the car by themselves or put on their own shoes or pick out their own clothes. And I think they do have a lot of confidence. And my favorite part is what you brought up is the fact that no one is a stranger to them, which again, 
that could backfire at some point. <laughs> but they see someone wearing a UNC hat or shirt, you know, they'll say go heels or they'll randomly start a conversation with someone and introduce themselves and tell how old they are and tell how old we are. And if they knew our social security number, they would give that out too. But that is really cool because I think just having comfort of being able to talk to anyone, no matter who they are, how old they are, what they look like, and having that ability is, is really neat. Independence always reminds me of the story about your cousin, Layton, who when he was about eight years old, your uncle came into his house where his, you know, his parents weren't around, I guess, or were upstairs or something. And your cousin Layton was eight years old, just making eggs by himself on the stove and looked at your uncle and said, Hey man, you want some eggs? And up until about a year ago, I could not imagine an eight-year-old doing that. Now I've experienced our five-year-old haze and I can totally see in three years me walking in the house and he's like whipping up some eggs and looking at me like, Hey man, you want some eggs? You want some eggs, dad? Like I can totally see that. And again, don't know if it'll be a good thing or a bad thing, but those types of moments I will certainly remember. Mm -hmm, for sure. As a parent, what do you think you struggle with most? This is an easy answer for me because I struggle with it every single day. And it's definitely patience. I know earlier you said that I have a lot of patience, but, and maybe I thought I did have patience until I had kids, but now I know I, I know I need to work on my patience. And it's so funny because it's, uh, there's a sticky note on our refrigerator that says patience on it for both me and our children as something to work on. But Patience is the first thing for me to go if anything else is, you know, not going right. If I'm tired or hungry or the house is a mess, I just, I lose my patience very quickly. And it is something I try to work on every single day because I'm very aware that I struggle with that as a mom. Yeah. That thing is pointed to on that refrigerator multiple times a week. <laughs> yes. uh, it was, it was done tonight. I asked our son Hayes if you know, what's on the fridge when he was being a little bit impatient and he knows, he knows without even looking now what's on there. One thing I neglected at some point, we started talking about what we struggle with or what we're working on. And our sister-in-law, Callie, her mom, gosh, this was like four years ago, told me something that was, is stuck with me to this day. We were at a little birthday gathering for someone in the family and her and I were sitting on the couch and talking about parenting. She was asking how things were going. And she said, you know, what was the most amazing thing about my dad or what is the most amazing thing about my dad? I said, what? I said, I can never remember him ever raising his voice with me. And she almost began to tear up because she said how much it meant to her that she was in that type of environment. That yes, he would be upset, he would be disappointed, angry, but never that she could ever remember that he raised her voice to her. And I think that's an incredible environment to be in. And it's something I strive for. That would be so cool, I think, to be able to say that, yes, emotions can run high, but you can still not raise your voice. And because... I mean, yelling at anyone, that's just not, it's not good. It's not nice. And why do you want to yell at your family? Why do you want to yell at your kids? You never want to, it just like happens. But I say all that because I, I just think that's really a really cool piece of advice, I guess, that I've really tried to stick to because I could just tell in that moment how much, you know, her reflecting back on her childhood, how much of an impact that had on her and how cool it would be for one of our sons to be able to sit there and have a conversation with someone in 40 years or 50 years and be able to say that about us. Yeah. And you are very good at it. I certainly have broken it. I don't know that you have, you are, you have more patience than I do for sure. And not raising your voice does not make you a less effective parent at all. You can still be stern when necessary or serious when necessary and keep your tone of voice much lower and kinder than, than raising it for, well, you'll look back on it. It will be a silly reason to have raised your voice probably. Or you can just work that jaw like your dad did when you were a kid. I know. I was just thinking that too. 
sometimes the silent, serious one, that's the one that really scares you, not the yeller. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Well, what else did we miss? I feel like we can't leave this podcast without talking about our own parents. I mean, we've discussed parenting and hopefully made it clear that we know we're not experts and we have reached out to our community of parents and, you know, read books, as we've mentioned. But we are also both very lucky to have great role models as parents. I mean, I feel like I was raised by two pretty incredible people who definitely shaped me as a person and as a parent. And I get to continue to see them be somewhat like parents now that they are grandparents. And it's really wonderful. And I'm very thankful for for them in my life as role models for me and as grandparents for our, our kids. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, that's one of the most special things is watching my dad obviously passed a couple of years ago, but being able to watch him and now, you know, having been able to continue to watch my mom with our kids is like awesome. Cause it's like a little bit of a glimpse of what they were like with us. Although there's way more candy. I was going to say (laughs) way more sweets for sure. But I think that's just one of the perks of being a grandparent is you get to do those things. Yes. But yes, I mean, ditto. I mean, I was very lucky to be raised in an amazing household with a lot of love and um, great direction. And my dad definitely had the like stern, just like it sounds like your dad did, had the stern look like, oh boy, I'm in huge trouble. And he didn't even have to say anything. And I know your dad was the same way. Um, You know, that actually gets into an interesting little side subject of how we grew up in two different styles of households for you know how we were parented. Mm-hmm. I mean, my curfew was like 8 p.m. as a senior in high school, and your curfew was you didn't have a curfew. <laughs> I think I had one, a, loose, a loosely enforced curfew. <laughs> we grew up in different households, and I think that's one of the most interesting things about becoming a parent is you start to talk about what, what do we think our parenting style should be, right? How should we address this situation? I came from a household that would address maybe a situation one way and you came from a household that would address it a completely different way. We have been able to attempt to mold our parenting style as a mesh of both of those, you know, major influences of our own parents. And I think that a major part of parenting that we haven't really talked about is communication. And I especially was very bad about communication and still have my struggles about, you know, sharing my thoughts or sharing my opinions. And I think that over time we've gotten better about that and being able to decipher, Hey, and, and try to agree on how do we want to address this situation? I mean, even your kids will ask you like random questions or questions like about you being pregnant and how the baby (laughs) comes out. (laughs) And it's like, how are we going to do this? Right? Like it's kind of silly to think about that, but you know, that kind of sets a tone for the future about how you're going to handle those types of conversations. You know, how open are you going to be about the human body and about sex and about just all those things? And um, I don't know, it's just interesting to to think about how our parents would have addressed certain things and how we do it. And it's just certainly a blend of our own experiences and a lot of it's derived from our, our own parents. Yeah, definitely. And if this podcast is still going and when we hit those formative hormone-filled years, um, we can touch base on that. But luckily, right now, we don't have to worry about those things too much. But I will say, just going back to what you just mentioned, that we've talked plenty of times about how we were raised in certain situations and how it was different. But I feel like we both, for the most part, turned out okay. So it kind of gives you some comfort as a parent that, there is no one right way to do it. And we are using our experiences to do the best we can to raise our own children. But I think it's important to know that as long as you're doing your best for your kids, that that's all you can ask. It doesn't mean there's not a right way and a wrong way. And we, we are lucky that typically we do agree on most things when it comes to how to raise our kids and we have gotten better about communicating the things that we maybe don't agree on, um, at least the first time around. 
Yeah, spot on. Well, I can't think of a better way to conclude than with that type of advice that our advice, anyone else's advice, it can maybe help inform, but no one's perfect. No one has the exact formula of how to be a great, perfect parent. And uh, we certainly are not. We make mistakes all the time. And uh, it's kind of what it's all about. Try, learn, and hope that your kid's heartbeat just keeps going along the way. That's like the whole goal of being a parent at the moment. (laughs) Pretty much. Yep. (laughs) Well, thank you for being vulnerable on the podcast today, talking about your struggles, talking about what brings you joy. I'm obviously very lucky to call you the mother of our children, to call you my wife. And I'm just very grateful that you got on the podcast after many, many uh, efforts by me to sell you on why you should do this. <laughs> so I thought you were awesome. So thank you for for being on seriously. Yeah, I was definitely hesitant, but I appreciate you having me on here and wanting me on here. It was nice to talk to you. Um, and I know this was all about being a mom or parent for the most part, but as your wife, I'm also just very proud of you for putting yourself out here on this podcast and in your newsletter to connect with um, other people and inspire other people on a regular basis. It's going to sound kind of cheesy, but you are such a good growth model or growth mindset role model for our kids. And I really appreciate that. And I think that's, that is pretty awesome. My wife just called me a model. I'm going to end it there. (laughs) (laughs) We've built with Whitney Davis. Thanks wifey. Love you. Love you. Hey listener, it's Clay. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Build with Clay podcast. I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen so you can discover all the episodes and hear from others about their growth journey. If you know me at all, you know that I love feedback. So please rate the episode and provide your comments so I can grow and be better for you and our guests. For more content, you can find Build with Clay on Instagram at Build with Clay. And head to claydavis.substack.com where you can sign up for a bi-weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're inspired to grow.